0: isn't jesus sweet isn't he wonderful you can see him in the face of a child and you can see him in the face of an old man that's looking back at you from the mirror um did, oh can we put up oh somebody already did Noel's gonna have a career and college group that's going to start meeting at her house on June 7th and uh, it's fun to go to Noelle's house. Oh there they are Mike and Noelle wave to us Mike you have to wave too make you sing an old Crosby, Stills and Nash song Our house is a very very fine house Um. Anyway, they're going to have this group, and they put ages 18 to 25, but i got to tell you, I didn't even start college till I was 27, so uh, you might have me show up at that thing, so maybe I'll say I'm in grad school. Anyway, that's on June 7th from 6 to 8 p.m., and their address is up there, so jot it down. Wouldn't it be funny if a bunch of us old folks showed up at their house and said, We're here to party. Ah hey. well, we're just family this morning and uh, and uh, we're the ones that didn't go to the lake, huh and didn't go out of town, and uh, I have been uh I, you know what I didn't bring my clicker thing. Uh, it's in my office, and you have to plug the little... Part into the that which you do do quickly um so i'm g- I'm i'm not confessing illness i'm just telling you man did i have a rough week and uh, a, a virus jumped on me a little over a week ago and it has kicked me and uh i had to do my other job and had to go to work because we had training and i'm in charge of the training of young adults and uh, so i couldn't get away from that and it just kept wearing me out so i'm with, you know i can be scriptural this morning i'm with you much with much weakness this morning and so i hope my mind thinks really well and i can communicate because it's really important to me this morning this uh this series that we're doing about grace and practice, and then what we're doing right now, um, and probably like many, many Christians um, who are living in America today, we're all going, what the heck is going on? And I, you know, and I'm, I'm an, an all millenniist so like I'm not a dispensationalist, and I don't know about end times. I think the church has been living in the end times for over 2,000 years so and uh that um, but man things are jacked up so can i just talk to you a little bit this morning and talk to you about what i'm saying here doesn't it seem like that all the news is just like really and they make everything everything is so sensationalized it's just uh uh I don't know, it just seems so strange, and you get to know everything immediately. And, uh, I, you know, this week I kept thinking, i got to quit checking the news reports. It's depressing me. And uh, it's not good news. And, uh, you know, but then you go, well, don't stick your head in the sand and don't do that. So uh, all this kind of stuff. And I just want to share something with you. Maybe some of you from back then and those of you who weren't around you will understand this years and years ago when i when i was a very young believer in christ so we're talking in the 1970s and the church i went to was of all things how how this tracks with you your whole life but was grace chapel in in tucson arizona and it was an independent church And uh, aren't you glad we're family this morning? And we watched a series by a guy named Francis Schaeffer. How many of you know who Francis Schaeffer was? He, He wasn't as much a theologian as he was a philosopher and was probably considered one of the top minds of the 20th century and did a lot of what we now call think tanks and things like that and looking at what was going on. And he did a whole video series, uh, uh, two of them actually. One was called How Shall We Then Live? And then the second was called Whatever Happened to the Human Race? And both of them were a play on words. But what, what he did was he looked at things that were going on in the earth at that time and went, folks, we're in trouble as a society, and we're heading down a road that is really frightening. And I'm cons- and he was old at that time, and he said, no, I'm concerned as an older man and an intellectual of where this is going. And he laid it all out. So he taught about the difference between true truth, absolute truth, and relativism. And what would happen as society... And humanism kept getting a grip on how our education system worked and how we moved and how we became society as Americans, both in the church and out of the church. And he warned that what relativism relativism would do would that um, each of us would have a separate truth that was not based on true truth and that we were going to be made to accept everybody's truth as their own and that your truth may be different than mine and that that's okay. And he said, that's not okay. And, that, and then he, would ta- he took it back to scripture and he did this. He talked about that Jesus, and the same question Pilate asked Jesus, you know, what is truth? And Jesus declared this. He said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. That in God is truth, and it's absolute. It doesn't have a variance in it. Everything about God is true. And so I just want to say that as we return and, and look back to these things. Because there, there's a growing uh, chasm uh, between not only different faiths and different views of God, but within our, within our own nation... And then things, the, the separations that are in the church. Um, but I know this, I know this deep in my heart, and I've been uh, thinking about it all week and, and in my weakness thinking about it, how important it is in our mindsets that we really embrace truth and what that means and how it, it becomes a, and should and is for everybody a controlling mindset. But when we think about truth, and this is how, how a um, relative truth is being uh, stated today, well, uh, even though I'm six foot two, and I have gray hair and blue eyes, and I'm from Middle America, and I'm of German descent. I identify myself with being five foot four, and um, I'm of a different race. You plug in whatever one you want, and I'm this and that, and that's the truth. And therefore, because in my mind I see myself that way, it is a truth that you must accept about me. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. So, are you making social statements today a little bit but I but I read the news and I don't want to get up into what's fake news and what isn't what's going on and all that but mindsets are very important because if somebody has a mindset and they're believing a lie that lie will lead to destruction and that's what lies always do because this is what lies do there's a reason Jesus called the enemy the father of lies and you know this from when you were a teenager a lie begets a lie that means it reproduces itself so how does that work well it's this way remember when you were 12 and you were playing with matches and you kind of caught something on fire and you put it out real quick and you didn't think you'd get caught but uh dad or mom walked in the room went what what the heck was burning and you go nothing well, I wonder if there's something outside. Yeah, it must be. And you, and then later, um, somebody finds the book of matches in your room and says, Hey, were you burning something? Now that lie that you said before has to beget another one. Because you have to have a lie to cover the lie to cover the lie. So this is what I knew really well as a child growing up because I was a really good liar. That's how I learned. I'm sorry, it was one of my survival techniques, but it was a mindset inside of me that I will tell you as I became a Christian and truth came in, and then many times it was very, very painful in my life as God started identifying the misbeliefs and the lies that were inside of who I was, who I had created myself to be, and who I wasn't. Who I created myself to be, and what that had done to my true identity—Who I really am—and so what I portrayed to people wasn't really who I, I really was. As a matter of fact, if I was going to describe myself, I was a really good chameleon. I could change. I could, and I always struggle struggled with that. Uh, Really, I struggled with it right up until God gripped me about eight years ago with grace. So let's come back to the mindset. This is what we know about Jesus. This is true truth. It says in John 1, the law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he came to give humanity truth he had a declaration within him and himself when you see me you see the father now we take that for granted today but he was making such a bold statement because God was never identified as father prior to that in many ways calling God Father. Father is the Christian name for God that Jesus restored back to us. Adam lost his father in the garden. It's a mindset. Adam and Eve lost their relationship to God, the fathering relationship to God. Jesus came and restored that fathering relationship so that we could have it again. But still today even as we become believers and navigate that, that orphaned mindset, where is my father, still grips us up here. And it can become a controlling lie. It can become a controlling misbelief. And so you relate to God in that sort of way that he's not really father, even if you pray father. Father. You can ask in a way uh, that makes him out not to be the father. We even see that in in, in parables that Jesus told about the you know. And I I, uh, I love this story, and so do you. It's called the Prodigal Son, which is a real misnomer. Through the, which shows again the very orphan mentality that we have by how we label the story of the prodigal son. It should be labeled the loving father. It should be titled God's unquenchable loving fatherness over us. Uh, Think even when the prodigal, when he did this, are you tracking with me this morning? Because it's really important. Even when the prodigal it says it comes to his senses and he goes back and the first thing he does with the father when he runs up to him i'm not worthy to be called your son what's up here what's he thinking he's an orphan even the servants are treated now he knows it's his father are be, you know treated really good in my father's house and I've now disqualified myself from his love and so even when he goes back to relate to him the father's trying to relate to him as a son true truth the father is to connect the dots here about truth the father is trying to reach this kid about truth and the kid has misbeliefs in his thoughts and views and identifies himself no longer as his son. What I've done has destroyed that relationship. No, what he really did was destroyed his ability to see who he really was. Up here, in his mind, in his cognitive, cogitating mind, he decided something about his relationship to God. That's how these mindsets work their way in into your life into my life and that's been the unwinding uh in my life so i i want to look at this scripture in First peter again and and just pick out a couple of things now i know we did this a couple of weeks ago but i i want to connect us and i really uh I urge you, and I know it's summertime and we're going to miss church. I understand that, you know. Um, I I have no problem with that as a pastor, but come back and pick up these lessons because I have the feeling we're getting ready to go through another transition as a church. This time it'll be addition, not subtraction. As... might even be multiplication can you say multi no I'm just kidding oh as each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the as of the manifold grace of God first of all look at this each one has received a gift You don't have to earn the gift. Everyone sitting in this room, young and old, doesn't matter who it is, you have received a gift from God. Each one of us in our value. So immediately, even through Peter, God is looking into the mindset that says, yeah, everybody else has this, this and this, I got nothing here. I am just, you know, and I used to joke about myself, say, yeah, I'm a one-talent bum. You know, why don't we do, t- it's mindsets, little statements that we make that we either, I don't know how you were wired, I would use that kind of uh, humor um, to try and be okay with people. That's stinky. That's not true. It's a mindset that's based in something that devalues Someone that God loves very dearly. And true humility is being the very person that Christ in you is made to be. And each of us have been given talent. So we think in terms of talent, we think, I don't know how to play a, a musical instrument, and I don't know how to do it. Each of us have been given a gift that's very precious. And by the good stewards of the manifold grace of God, we're supposed to give it to each other. I'm supposed to uh, not change fig leaves, but uh, when I say hello to you, it's supposed to be in sincerity. When I listen to you, it's supposed to be in truth. Truth. When I engage in a relationship with you, the controlling thoughts in my head should be, oh, God loves this person so much. What would you like me to give to them? That's too hard to think that way all the time, Lloyd. It's because we're taught the old mindset that, that we can't do that. But we really can, very briefly and very quickly. And it goes into this, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. That means the word of the Lord. If you and I talk to each other, that's how we're supposed to talk to each other. Well, what about is when it's you and one of the guys sitting in the boat and you're bragging about the fish? did it encourage did it lift up did it bring life was it the oracles of God somebody stopped to visit Brenda last night some people that she knows and uh, she took them on a little you know if you come out to the Rindles you get a tour of the garden immediately (laughs) my wife's the flower girl you guys and he loves the flower girl and I was just thinking about that, that and connecting it with this that is ministering the gift that God put in you in the manifold grace of God declaring beauty declaring this and it's not fake news it's truth and it's grace and it's real and it's valid and Peter understood that and so he's appealing to us through this passage of scripture to see ourselves correctly and to be who God made us to be in truth. Anything less than that is the old tale from the emperor's new clothes. You remember that one? Uh, I don't don't know how much they knew that, but it's so it's so true about what isn't true, what a lie can do. So we all, you know, maybe kids, I don't know, do they still do, do they still share that story with children today? We all, we all know it. the You know, the, the tailor can't come up with a set of clothes that's going to please the emperor, so he decides to dazzle him and baffle him with lies and nonsense and gives him the clothes that aren't clothes and he walks through the kingdom naked naked as a jaybird whatever that means Uh, you know uh, buck naked we used to call that there's a reason for that that's has to do with hunting but um and the deer it's it's also this that that that's not real that's not true and when we don't see ourselves as not only having the grace of God but being a gift of the grace of God to others we will put on the emperor's new clothes you'll put something on that isn't real that's not you and it's not Jesus and it's not true And if we do it long enough, it becomes a mindset of how we see ourselves. And man, I knew knew this stuff some years ago. I've taught this stuff before. I tell you what, the last seven years, God's just been throwing one stick of dynamite after another into my thought process and going, really? Really? Let's blow that thing up and look at it, buddy. And I've been going, whoa, whoa. And then connecting with... Here's what happens when that comes in. You will start connecting to things that happened in your past where God was trying to reach that point with you. But the lies try and insulate us. They try try and creep up over our thoughts and over our identities. And it's really, really important. And it's why I really, really believe that we need to learn new definitions of grace... Because grace is always connected to truth. This top one is probably the best I've heard. So I want to read it to you again. Grace is the absolute, now notice it, that means it applies in every situation, an unforced favor gained by Christ's death and resurrection allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us apart from anything we must prove. If I have to prove my identity to you, my thinking is probably off. Did you hear that? If I have to prove to you, even over Christianity, if I have to prove to you I'm a righteous person, I've missed the whole point of what Christ did. I am righteous only by what he did. And I don't have to prove it to you. I don't have to convince it and I don't have to debate with you to get you to understand it. All I have to do is minister to it as the oracle of of God. I speak grace and I speak truth. Others will hear it. Will they always be set free by it? Nope. How come? I don't know. I don't know. I know my own journey. I always loved God. I've been loving God since, since He came into my life when I was 22 years old, just before I turned 23. I love God. I, did, I didn't quit, I didn't, I don't know, I was one of those, I didn't give up, I didn't go. Yeah, I don't know if this is real, and I have great compassion for people that did go through that. I didn't. He had me. He got me. And uh, when he got a hold of me, he got me. But man, through the years, then when, I would tell you, seven or eight years, seven years ago, When he got me again. Do you know May 28th. I just thought it's going through my head right now. Today's my dad's birth. My real dad's birthday. It would have been 105. So many lies. When I got saved i believe and when you got saved i believe that jesus came to start speaking to the lies that were inside your mind that did predetermined mindsets about how you thought you were and who you thought you were and he his design is to break that up and he's not going to stop till we're 105 there's the connection. So here's what the Holy Spirit really whispered in my ears. I didn't give up on your dad. That's pretty precious. Can't imagine that. I did. I gave up by the time I was eight. God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't let go and stop. He wants to you to see yourself. How glorious is First John 3 right now. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And it has not yet appeared what we shall be. For when we see him as he is, we're like him. Whoa. That's science fiction stuff that's the true truth that's the this isn't always going to catch a virus one day this is going to go past neptune i'm going to go out there to andromeda man i want to see that stuff i want to go i don't want to go to different dimensions i want to know this it says he's the father of lights shine baby shine he sees us as lights to shine into other people am I speaking to your mindset this morning I don't have to change something about me to be who God made me to be you hearing that I don't have to change something about me to be who God made me to be Grace, here's true truth again, is an actual realm that became ours. It's a way of life which we no longer strive for acceptance. I am a child of God. I'm I'm no longer bound by fear. I'm no longer bound by shame. He set me to be his son as much as Adam was his son. He is restored to you and I right now. Not on the day that you enter. Right now you have what Adam had in the garden before he fell. He had this mindset. He had total relationship as God father to him. how did the twisted mindsets get in there because I just wanted to be just like normal they come through a whole series of things come from our values what we believe now here's what's really important one more statement with this what beliefs are this what you hold to be true this is why i stress this over and over and over again with you guys what you hold to be true about god will be the most important thing about you a w tozer wrote that years ago years ago in the attributes of god he says, whatever comes into a person's mind, now think of our mindsets, when we think about God is the most important thing about that person. Because it deter- he says this, it determines all your other values, how you relate to other people, what form of worship you're willing to give or not give. It doesn't have to do with your personality. Well, I'm just, I just don't display emotions, you know. It's a mindset does that mean you have to display emotions to be a worshiper of God not at all does that mean you should display emotions to be not at all there's no there's none of that it's this God made me to be an emotional being So false identities and mindsets begin, they, they, they also come through life experiences. So this is one of mine. When I turned about 12 years old, I made an inner vow that I wouldn't let anybody see me cry. Didn't mean that I didn't cry, but I'll be damned if anybody's going to see it. It became a mindset. So when things bothered me after that, I had to harden my heart in order to not let people see me crying. So the mindset became a controlling mindset, a core belief inside of me that said something about who I was because somehow that little stoic kid that didn't trust any adult was not going to show emotion. You can't get me there You know what? For the little kid, believe it or not, that might have been okay right at that moment, but it wasn't true truth. It was relative truth to what was happening relative to that experience right then. And when I was a child, God probably even allowed it and going, huh, kid's got to take care of himself. It was a survival technique. But when I became an adult... It became a sinful, behavioral thought and view of who I was. So in my salvation experience, years later, go ten years forward, and I get with God and I'm opening up that little track and I start going, and the four spiritual laws were in there and it says there was a God who loved you. A cry started in the pit of my gut. And it came out, and I, I had more mucus going every place over that room, you know, that carpet than I mean, I couldn't quit crying until it got mixed with laughter, and then I cried and laughed at the same time. Because God give me, mean, He had to break through the mindset. The other thing is the environment. How does that work? we gain values by our environment both our family environments society environments i saw this when i lived in northern ireland you know it it was uh when when we moved to just south of of belfast and then seeing the irish culture and this is not a put down i think irish culture is incredible but they had lived in 40 years of terrorism sound familiar today Forty years of terrorism. So when you walked down the street and saw somebody, they did not engage your eyes. They did not look at you. Um, I, I watched people walk by cars, going, "You didn't know if there was a bomb under that car or not." You know, uh, I went. I went to the Crown Pub in Belfast, and right across the streets, the Europa Hotel. It's the most bombed hotel in Europe still today. environment can do something to us so when that happens and you become mistrustful a mindset that doesn't trust others through the environment that you've raised in so you know how in America we have a head nod where you say hi you go like that you know like that this is what it was in in Ireland see the difference it's a shake of the head known a little click it's you know if you ask how you're doing they wouldn't say it that way they say what about you and this is a response eh not too bad see that see that mindset that comes from environment now another one can be a lie here in America oh fantastic just living life to the fullest dude dude Yeah, that's going to crash against the wall, right? So all cultures have that. All cu- Our environments have it and stuff. You know, well, what breaks us free? What breaks us free from misbeliefs is truth. And when it comes with God's grace, remember... The definition of God's grace. Please connect us this morning. It's an actual realm that is absolutely for you a hundred percent and that nothing can change God's idea and mind and love towards each one of us. Nothing can. When that's true, then when those misbeliefs that came from our core being, they're, they're in there, we don't understand, we don't even understand the little statements we make and the little things that we say until God starts to expose them by His grace. He goes after that truth. And when it's in conflict with the character and nature of God and His Word, God is true truth, And will manifest his truth to us. And this is what humility looks like. Stop arguing over God's truth about you. Those are misbeliefs. They look like this not good enough, not worthy enough. Let's hit them all not pretty enough. Not this enough, not that enough, not that enough, not that enough. And I've always done it that way, and that's what mom said. Those are misbeliefs right up here. They become a mindset, they they become a constriction, and they become a mask that we begin to wear about who we are. And then God sneaks up on you and pulls down the mask and you get exposed to other people. Now what you gonna do? Well, hopefully here in a grace community, you don't have to run and hide. You can go, (laughs) man, I can, you ought to see my list of lies about me. You know, it's John Lynch, is that all you got? (laughs) I got a list of 300 things that I can do in seven minutes. (laughs) Well, when we really get to that place, then there's something that begins to happen within this realm that we call grace in that the Holy Spirit starts speaking true truth into our lives and saying, it's okay. All my children have done that. And I'm here to tell you something else. I'm here to live my life in you and you're going to find out your true self who you really are. And it's going to be okay. And not only that, but it's actually, some of it's going to be real fun because you're not going to believe if I tell you who you really are. It's going to blow your little mind up. And it's going to make you see something about you that is so true that will cause you to walk in confident humility in me and you don't have to pretend anymore because pretending is really hard and it really wears us out it exhausts us to pretend and we don't have to it's why I believe this these teachings are so vitally important we're gonna look At three primary mindsets. So I felt like I I needed to re really reintroduce this about truth and misbeliefs and how we get there in our lives so that you and I can, if you will, just as a church community, a real church community of grace, let's just go on the journey. What do you have to lose? A misbelief? A faulty mindset? Scariest part, the emperor's new clothes? Yeah, you're really naked. (laughs) But I would tell you this, and we all have to decide this, we're among friends. Let's go on a journey. We're among friends. And this is what Peter meant when he says, love covers a multitude of sins. I care, so I cover. Not judge, not my place to judge. My place is to care and cover. And when I hear something I don't like, even it offends me. Now, if you get offended, Matthew 18 says how to walk that out. But having grace and bearing long with each other, wouldn't that be a better way? And what would happen if we really find ourselves Hmm, we might increase. Dan, come on up. Would you pray about something this week, even before I introduce it? It's the orphan mindset. And just begin to think about what are orphans-like. We've had throughout the years movies about it. We've had really good books written about it, really understandings about it, but the church doesn't understand it. And we may not either, but an orphan mentality keeps us from the father-child relationship with God. Matter of fact, the orphan mentality will tell you to use your natural parents as a reflection of what God's like. That's not true truth. Because every natural parent made mistakes. God has never made a mistake. And just kind of pray and say, Lord, do I have that? Do I have parts of orphan mentality that are still gripped in me? Can come out this way this week when you begin to pray. How do you ask God for stuff? You put conditions on it? Do you tell Him what He should and shouldn't give you? Do you decide what you're worthy of or not worthy of? Does it embarrass you to go boldly before His throne and say, hey, would you cancel all His debts? I'm the stupid one that got me. Or other stuff. Your own stuff. And just pray. I'd like to pray for us. And if this journey gets scary, talk to somebody. It doesn't have to be me. Talk to somebody else about it. If it just gets scary along the way and go, I don't I don't know if I can do that right now. Just tell somebody. Tell somebody in this community. I man this is a little bit unnerving and that person this is what I would ask you to do give them grace nod and say I don't have that one but I got my own and that's how you can relate to it and pray for them would you do that?